Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Welcome to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. Good morning, everyone. So good to see all of you. How many of you are awake besides Baldo? Anyone? We'll try it again. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's much better. You know, I was just thinking about this, uh, this guy in Uganda who we don't work with. Um, uh, we, I did many years ago, but uh, uh, he, he had a big church, really big church, uh, probably three or four times the size of this building, and it was just packed with people. And um, he had ushers going around with large sticks. And I may have told you this before, but when people weren't excited, not awake, they'd fall asleep, the, the ushers would walk by and go, poof, and just poke people. You know, uh, Pastor, I'm not giving you permission to do that, but perhaps for people to get a little bit more joy of the Lord, they say, hallelujah, it's because someone's walked by and poked them. In Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're going to hang out for this service. Um, I was praying and asking the Lord, what would you have me to share with the church today? Wow, that was loud. Uh, What would you have me to share with the church? And um, he brought me to Ephesians 1. And we're going to discuss what God says about us. Now, the service was opened up with the book of Malachi, which is really a warning. It's a caution. It's it's something that's given to us through prophets in the Old Testament, even prophets today. They bring us cautionary words saying, hey, you know, you're heading down the wrong path. You're heading in the wrong direction. You're not doing what I, God, have told you to do. And because of that, I'm displeased. I'm dissatisfied. I'm upset. And we find in the Old Testament, sometimes God's anger and wrath was released. And the, the people of God were carried off into captivity. There are times where they were like wiped out, not totally because there had to be a bloodline uh, remaining, but there are times where they were like totally carried off, wiped out, destroyed until they repented. Now, because we have Jesus, uh, he is our mediator. Now, I don't want you to look at Jesus as holding back an angry God because the Father is not angry with us, but there is this sense of righteousness and justice that he desires and is part of his nature and his character. And because of the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, who is God as well, he puts that in check. So so sometimes we get in our mind like, oh, the Father's mad at us. Have you ever been mad at your children? Any fathers, you ever been mad at your children? A few of you kind of, <laughs> you pulling off your belt now? You, you, you've let some words go you shouldn't have let go. You, you, you allowed your temper to come up here and, and some things to happen in your heart that wasn't really good. But even though it may have been justified, you may have said, oh, that was a righteous anger. Well, that doesn't mean that it was directed and used properly. Uh, we, we sometimes view God the same way we view ourselves or our fathers. And we find that we relate to our father in heaven the same way that we understand our experience with our, our fatherly relationships here. So if our father was abusive or angry or uh, violent or abandoned us and wasn't around, sometimes we view the father through that same lens and then we don't really understand who he really is. 
And because of that, I would just wanna share with you today some things about what God says about us. Now, this is all brought to you and made available because of him, his son, Jesus, who paid the price so that we could have these benefits and the access to the things that he does for us, the things he believes about us, the price he paid for us, and what he says about us. Now, sometimes when we, when we focus on the harsh parts, the corrective parts, the instructional parts, the disciplinarian parts of our Father, we think, well, we're never going to amount to anything. We're not going to pass the standard. We, we, won't, you know, we won't achieve what he wants out of me. Well, you're right. You'll never do that in your own strength. Never. No matter how awesome you may be, no matter how wonderful you may think you are or your parents may think you were, I know my parents thought I was perfect. (laughs) But I'm not. (laughs) And no matter how good I think I could be, it's never good enough. It's only through Jesus that we get to receive these things. But we buy into the lies of the enemy. We buy into the lies of the world that says you're too old, you're too young, you're too white, you're too Hispanic, you don't speak the right language, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you don't have the right education, you don't have the right family background, you don't have the right experience, you don't have the right paperwork, you have sinned too much, You can't do anything for God. God could never forgive you for all of your transgressions. Your integrity is questionable. You've hurt too many people. You've hurt your own wife. You've hurt your children. You've a broken relationship with too many people. You'll never amount to anything. And we receive these lies. We receive these whispers from the world, from the enemy. And he tries to seed them there and allow them to take root. And then we begin to act upon them because we believe them. Now we know with every lie, there's elements of truth. Yeah, maybe I am angry. Maybe I am hurtful. Maybe I have broken relationships. Maybe I have done these things. But the good news is that through Jesus, I am redeemed. And he takes care of those things, takes care of those things at the cross. And because of the cross, now I have a new perspective And God also has a different perspective about me. Now I'm going to read some of Ephesians 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him, in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And that's a capital B. That's God. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound to us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, 
that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Just a couple more verses. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed or marked with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now we could continue on through all of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, and um, I'm just going to give you eight things today. Are you ready? Eight things. Um, We could continue on to chapter 2 and get about 15 or 16, so I guess I'll have to come back. I don't know. Again, three people. Woohoo! Yay! All right, eight things in the next 30 minutes. No mas. That means no more for you gringos. Number one, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. God says about you, I am blessed. You are blessed. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Spiritual blessings ought to be coveted above natural blessings. They ought to be desired. In fact, Scripture instructs us to covet these things. And you may be thinking, Jason, we're not supposed to covet. God gives us permission to covet things that are of him. That means we desire them more than anything else. And so it is good for us to want spiritual blessings above and beyond spiritual, uh, above and beyond natural blessings. So you may want that new car, a bigger house. You may want some kind of new uh, computer or gadget or new clothing, whatever that may be, to desire the blessings of God, the spiritual blessings should take precedent over those other things. In fact, it is better, according to his word, to be spiritually blessed more than it is to be naturally blessed. So I'm grateful for my 15-year-old vehicle and the spiritual blessings that I receive. Hallelujah. Now, if God wants to give me a one-year-old or a zero-year-old vehicle, I'll be blessed as well. But I'm more grateful for the spiritual blessings than natural blessings. Spiritual blessings transcend time. Your car will not. (laughs) Your house will not. Your clothes will not. Anything that's here on this earth is temporal and will ultimately turn to dust. It may take a long time. Or you could throw it in some of the waterways here and it'll dissolve based on the things that's in the water. Were they burning the marsh last night? The night before, man, that was, that was nasty. When we are granted spiritual blessings, we should rejoice. These blessings manifest in ways that are beyond comprehension for the carnal person. You know, I have a lot of people that they look at our lives and they, they don't understand. Even people that are believers, they don't understand the blessings. Um, my, my truck, it was given to me. We were just given a a new refrigerator, a new washing machine, um, dishwasher, and uh, the Lord just provides blessings for us. And people look and they're like, we don't really understand this. Like, well, I don't either. And the Lord did that. We, our, our dishwasher was dying. It was no longer washing. It was just spinning water around. Wasn't draining. It was making funny noises and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, we're not like doing some kind of like intense prayer or anything, but we're just saying, Lord, you know, you know the need. 
and a couple weeks later go by and we get a call from a friend who's a contractor said, one of my customers is, is redoing their entire kitchen and they just want to give this stuff away. And I was like, well, you know, we're not really like in need. I was like, if you need someone who's like super desperate, then, then let, let us help you find someone. I was like, but, but we could use it. So we, we were honest, gave them the full scope of the situation. I said, uh, the, the customer that I have, they, they hear you're a pastor, you're a minister, and they want it to go to you. I said, hallelujah. And sometimes these natural blessings happen because we dig into the spiritual blessings. So there's this connection between the two. We are blessed by the Lord in spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Number two, I'm chosen by him as my father. You're not a leftover, my friends. You're not in a box in the refrigerator. You're not the take home. You're not the crumbs. You're not the extras. You were chosen. And I think a lot of times we look at ourselves and say, you know, there's nothing really special about me. And, and I guess I'm the leftovers of the world. And, and God just said, yeah, I'll take that one. Were you ever picked last in school for something? Yeah, look at some of you and it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, there's times I was picked last. I didn't always look this good. When you pick last, you're like, man, that doesn't feel good. And it's like, ah, oh, there's that Carlos. <laughs> I guess... Are we sure? Is there anybody else? I guess I'll take him. And so we, we go to that team and we're like, oh man, I'm just so happy. And, and you, you feel a little bit pushed off to the side. And then, he, then you might be put on the bench, right? I think we feel that way as well. Why are you here on a Sunday morning rather than worshiping in your bed? Because we know who our God is. But he chose you. He chose you. He looked at you and said, yeah, I want this one. Now let's back up just a little bit further. We know that God created each one of us. We know that he formed us, knit us in our mother's womb. Now I know some of us may say, well, you know, I was an accident. No, you were no accident. Maybe you were a surprise to the to the to the parents that you had, the, those who helped bring you into the world. Maybe that was a surprise. You were no surprise to God. And so if he formed you and, and put you here on earth at this time, then perhaps he knew what he was doing when he said, yes, I want you. He said, yeah, I want you. I want you to be part of my family. You are already made right in his eyes because you're clothed in Jesus. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But he looks at you with all the hope, with all the potential, with all the expectation of who he created you to be. And then you may be thinking, man, I don't live up to that. Good news. You never can, but Jesus will through you. You can never live up to that thing. You can never live up to the full potential without Jesus, but within, with him, then you do. So you are chosen. Number three, I am holy 
and without blame in his sight. And we're going to spend a few minutes on this. In his sight, my friends, you are holy and blameless. Now, maybe you came in here this morning and before Pastor encouraged you to lift your hands, to stir yourself up, to enter in, to press into God. Maybe you're thinking, man, last night was, hmm, I don't want to talk about what I did last night, or this week was bad. I let a few words go at work. I got angry. I did some things, and man, I am not in the right place. So I'm just going to stand here like this. I looked around. I saw some of you doing that. Maybe not with your arms folded, but maybe just standing there. And whatever you were doing on the outside sometimes and oftentimes is a mirror or portrayal of what's happening on the inside. So if you're not worshiping, you're probably like, I'm not in a good place. I don't feel like worshiping. God won't be happy with my worship because I'm unworthy. I'm covered in sin. I'm filthy. God, God knows what I did, and I can't come into his presence right now because I'm, I'm a mess. In fact, I'm going to have to go away from God's presence to get right so I can come back into God's presence. Where do you read about that in Scripture? Now, this is what we do, though, right? We say, oh, I, I, I've got so much sin in my life. I've got so many things in my life that I have to deal with before I can come to church so that I can be in God's presence. Okay, that's old covenant. We had to go make ourselves clean, then bring our sacrifice to the temple. But the sacrifice has already been made so that we can be made clean. See, everything was flipped upside down. So now we come here and we say, oh my God, I love you. And you know how much of a mess I am. But you have made me clean. You have made me holy. You have made me blameless. You have made me righteous because of Jesus. And we confess, we repent, we worship. And we say, Lord, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than in your presence and worshiping and glorifying you so that I can continue on and not stay where I just was. Now, the enemy would love for you to feel shame, guilt, feel unworthy, but this is condemnation, and condemnation drives us away from God. It drives you back out into the parking lot, drives you back home, drives you back into your bed and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be going to church. But conviction draws you to God and says, there's no, nowhere else that, that I should be other than church. There's nothing that I can do besides get in the presence of God so that he can make me whole again. He can bring me back into his presence. And so there's this relationship that we need to dig into. And the transaction of redemption has already taken place. It's already been paid. We don't have to go pay the price by staying away from God. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to condemn us. He wants to drive us away from God. He wants to isolate us. But conviction draws us to God. And through that, we come into this place in his presence where we're holy and blameless. We do this only in the presence of God. Otherwise, we, we start drifting. And before you know it, we're off heading in another trajectory. Number four, I am a child according to the pleasure of his will. 
Are you enjoying this? I know I am. I like digging in just to one passage and see what it says to us. I am a child according to the pleasure of his will. Not out of accident. He didn't find you on the side of the road or a street corner. He didn't find you just wandering around aimlessly. He went and chose you out of what? His good pleasure, the pleasure of his will, because he loves you. He said, I love you and I want you. And so he makes you part of his family. Now, I have, uh, many of you know Marcus, who's, he's not uh, legally adopted, but he's part of our family. And he was kind of an accident adoption for us. We were not planning to go seek out a teenage African-American boy and say, yes, we want to be parents to a young black man. That was not part of our life and desire. It wasn't not part, but it wasn't like, hey, let's see if we can find a 17-year-old black boy and bring him into our home. But he got saved in our church and started becoming friends with our family. And before we knew it, he was part of our family and in our home. And um, so he became family. That was kind of an accident. I know God ordained it, but for us, it's kind of an accident. God's very intentional with us. Very intentional. And even though God worked intentionally through us during that season, he has been seeking you out just as he created you. Just as intentionally as he created you and formed you into the person you are, he's been seeking you and bringing you and wooing you into his family because of his love for you. You're not only created with intention, you were chosen out of his pleasure. And this pleasure was not out of necessity. It's truly because of a delight in you. Say this. God delights in me. I only saw some of your mouths moving. The lights aren't that bright, so we'll try it one more time. God delights in me. I want to encourage you, after you get through these things, um, there's, there's eight of them, and you can go back, and they're pretty easy to see through the first part of Ephesians 1. You should make some faith declarations, and these are things that you should say to yourself on a regular basis. Because a lot of us as believers and just the world in general, we, we walk around beat down, depressed, discouraged, and we don't believe very much in ourselves. But in Jesus, he wants to build you up. And that's not so that you can just be like, man, I can conquer the world. I can do anything. It's like, no, through Jesus, I, I can survive. Through Jesus, you know, I can overcome these difficulties. Through Jesus, I have victory over cancer. Through Jesus, I have victory over my finances, in the workplace, in my relationships, in my family, and you name it. And sometimes we need to start confessing some of these things of what God says about us. God delights in you. Number five, in Ephesians 1 verse 6, we are accepted in the beloved. God accepts us. Now, this doesn't give us license to sin. This is not acceptance with uh, our, our nature, our flesh, or even those who have chosen to live uh, lifestyles that are contrary to Scripture. 
That's not what this is talking about. It means that he receives us the way we are, and then he cleans us up, makes us into who we're supposed to be, and we are part of his family. Now, the church is often good at backwards. We say, you know, before you can come in, you got to fix all that stuff. You know, you can't be addicted to drugs before you come in here. You can't be an alcoholic before you come in here. You can't have problems with, with lust or pornography before you grace these doors. You name the sin, you name the problem. The church often is like, no, you got to go clean up out there before you come in here. But it's exactly the opposite. Jesus saying, no, come to me. We're going to deal with the stuff, but you got you to come to me, come to me. And that's what acceptance looks like. Acceptance in God. Now, our society is taking the world down a road of tolerance. God doesn't tolerate sin. No, but he loves us so much that he will deal with our sin. When we are connecting with the world, trying to build relationships and bridges to reach the world, we need to make sure that we're doing it through that proper perspective like God does. Say, yeah, I, I know you're... You're a homosexual. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that's the way that we're supposed to live. But you know what? I love you. I want to be your friend. Uh, but, you know, please understand that I also believe a little bit different. I have a different worldview. And uh, my hope is that you will see something different in me as I have a relationship towards you that you've not seen before. I remember this one time I was having a conversation with one of my cousin's friends, actually a group of friends at a birthday party. This was a long time ago. There, were, uh, there was one devout Buddhist, and these are all white people, which was random. Uh, one devout Buddhist, one fake Buddhist, and then there was someone else who was uh, an atheist. And they began having these conversations, talking about the crazy, charismatic Christians. And I'm like, you know, you know some stuff is a little bit crazy, there's a lot of emotions in our world of Christianity. And then, you know, they were talking about some people which I would uh, most likely agree with, say that's probably fanatical and not really biblical. And so I wasn't also speaking these things. I'm just kind of listening, but like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And you would probably laugh at some of the things as well. So I'm not going to name those names. But uh, then they began to talk about Jesus. I was like, whoa, Stop. It's like, don't talk about my God that way. And they kind of, what? I was like, well, you know, you're talking about these crazy charismatics. I'm a charismatic, you know? I believe that God still is alive. He's well, he does these things. But some of the stuff you're, you're talking about, the craziness, the emotionalism, I was like, you know, I don't always agree with that stuff. And I was like, and I can, you know, I, I can listen to what you're saying because, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of out there. But you're talking about my Jesus. He's real. And then they're like, huh. And then they, they said to me, so do you believe we're going to hell? I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and then their eyes got real big. And I said, but I'm not angry. I said, no, you're not. And I was like, look, we can be friends. I can believe that Jesus is the only way to have eternal life, to have salvation. And you can believe differently. But what I hope you see is that I'm not an angry Christian who's going to whack you over the head with a Bible. I'm not one running around and doing these things that are all theatrical. But I do know that God is real. Jesus is the way to be reconciled with him. 
And so it opened up this door to have a conversation. They had never seen a Christian act that way before. And this is while they're drinking lots of alcohol. And I'm like, I don't know. Hopefully they remember that conversation. Uh, But it's like, look, sometimes we are so different from the world that when we are approached by the world, they feel immediately rejected. Now, it doesn't mean we have to participate in the world's activities, but we have to be able to build a bridge. Otherwise, they're going to be like, man, you hate us. I don't hate you. No. No, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to draw a line in the sand of things I will, will not do because I believe what the Bible says and I have a standard to adhere to. And part of that is loving you. So we are accepted. Let's extend that to the world. Now in verse 7, we also find, number 6, I am redeemed through the shed blood of the Christ. Redemption means that something was traded for another. The torture, the blood, the crucifixion, the death, the resurrection was given exchange for you. It was an exchange for you. He did that. If there was to go to a counter, to a cashier, he gave all of that. Have you ever been up to a cash register? And uh, now I know everything's done with cards and digitally. Maybe you do it on your phone or your watch. And so you just pay electronically, but you're paying with cash. And you get up there and you miscalculated in your head and you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I don't, I don't have enough. And I do that even today. It's like, I think I got enough cash and you go up there and I'm pretty good at math, even though I'm a preacher. Um, I get up there and it's like, I don't have enough. Well, that's embarrassing. Jesus Not that he would never, ever, ever go to a cashier and be like, oh, I don't have enough. Let me go back and pay some more. But if he did, if the whipping wasn't enough, if the plucking the beard wasn't enough, if the crown of thorns wasn't enough, if the cross wasn't enough, he would pay and he would pay and he would pay. The transaction, all the necessary requirements for the debt has been paid, traded for you, traded for me. And this is our redemption that is given to us. The price was heavy. We can't, we could spend a lifetime trying to describe the price and the value that he put on you and he put on me that he paid for us. And that's just the physical aspects. It even says that sin was laid upon him. He who knew no sin became sin. That's what the scripture says. And I'm not going to pick that apart. I'll let your pastor do that for you. But sin, all of the weight of sin. Now, now I can just ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hand or run forward. But when you've done a bad sin, I'm not talking about a little sin. I'm not talking about when someone cuts you off. You're like, ah. I'm talking about a bad one, you know. And, and you like feel the weight of it. And you feel really bad, feel really dirty. And it kind of hangs with you for days. And you're like, I've repented and confessed like a dozen times and it's still just hanging on. You know, that, that, that's, that's the heavy ones. Uh, has that ever happened to you? It, all of that, all of that weight was put upon Jesus and he bore that. Can you imagine doing that for all people, all of time? How miserable that must feel? I know the few times in my life where I'm like, man, this, this really stinks. And those are just nice Christian words to say what you really feel because it's so bad. To bear that would be just unbearable. 
Number seven, I am sealed or marked with a seal. Verse 13 tells us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. One of the things I found over the years is that even in our group of believers, we find people that don't have confidence or guarantee in who they are in Christ or even their salvation. Now, I'm not a Baptist. I'm a Pentecostal charismatic kind of guy, so I'm not going to start teaching Calvinism up here. But sometimes we forget that what Jesus did for you, the profession of faith, your surrender and repentance, that's a real thing. And if it wasn't, what happens when you get a little bit angry on your drive over to Jason's Deli later on? It's got my name, so I thought I'd mention. Uh, and, and, and you say something, you do something, you sin, and you get hit by a car and you die. Oh, man, it was unrepented sin. You're going to hell. Does that happen? Then why do we live that way? That's the way we believe. Is our God not big enough to deal with the things that, man, just might happen later today or a couple days from now? That doesn't mean you reach in your wallet and say, look, I got the Jesus license to sin card. So you know what? I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to do it real bad because he's already taken care of it. No, that, that's, you're bordering on blasphemy. That's an abuse of the gift of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You hear you're dancing over the line right there. That's a slap in the face for the price that was paid. And that's sloppy grace. That is unbiblical. And unfortunately, that kind of garbage is running rampant around the church and around the world right now. But it does say that, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. But God's already paid the price, and I still love him, and I still worship him. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of my life. And Lord, when, when you do realize, because you don't always realize what you've done right away, the Holy Spirit brings that conviction. Our response is, yes, yes, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Not run away. You know when you wanted to be picked first? That's when we say yes, and the Holy Spirit says you know what, you, 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 you did this earlier today, you sinned, you said that thing, you let that emotion come up, you had that thought, and you let that thought bring life. Actually, it brought death in you. Say, yes, Lord, I did that. I, I did it. Be quick to confess. Be quick to repent. You know you're on the right track. We have this seal, this mark of the Holy Spirit that guarantees our salvation. I love how John Piper says, God sends the Holy Spirit as a preserving seal to lock in our faith, as an authenticating seal to validate our sonship. So with our faith and the Holy Spirit, it validates us. It's like a stamp on us. And I won't get into the whole stamp thing, but oftentimes in old days, when there is a stamp put on something, if anyone tried to remove that stamp that wasn't in the position to do so, they did it under penalty of death. We are stamped with the Holy Spirit and there's no one who can remove that except for him. And that's not removed because you, you messed up. So continue on, focus on him and believe who he says you are. The last one, 
Number eight, I am endowed with a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. You can find this in verse 17. We are given the Holy Spirit's wisdom, revelation. When we, re- when we invite him into our lives, give him free and absolute reign. Then we are endued with power. We are endued with wisdom. We are given his presence and revelation because it comes from him. When we invite him in our lives and we give him that free access, that's when things start to happen. There's difficult decisions, there's hard situations, there's complicated matters in life that we're all dealing with. I remember early on this year, and I shared some of this with your pastor uh, early in the year, and there's only a few people. And uh, there's some words that the Lord gave to me, and basically it was like, are you ready? I was like, what do you mean? And he said, hold on. I was like, I don't like these words, Lord. That's like right before your friend is in a, in a car or, or an off-road vehicle and they stomp on it. It's like, buckled up, things are gonna get crazy. And that's what I felt like the Lord was saying. It's like, this year is gonna be wild and it has been. But we have this Holy Spirit that he's given us to bring us hope, security, preservation. He's like our seat belt in those difficult situations, the scream bar, I like to call it. You hold on and you're screaming for dear life. It's, ah, but with you, Lord, it may be wild. It may be a crazy ride, but I'm holding on. You got me. I'm not flying out. We're not going to crash. It may be bumpy. It may be dirty, but we're going to get there. My friends, it's time to stop believing in the lies of the enemy. We're purchased with the blood of Christ, redeemed to live with him. These blessings, these promises, these things that he says about us, they're already available to us. They're already available. So it's time to stop wandering around thinking like you're an unwanted stepchild. I know if that's offensive, I'm sorry. But we walk around the family and the house of God, and I'm not talking about this building, acting like we don't belong. But he has said these things about you. He has blessed you with these things. He's put you in his family. He's brought you into this place. He's brought you into covenant. He's brought you into a place of worship. He's brought you into a place of victory. And he's brought you to a place to experience him in fullness. And so we must say yes to that. We must say, yes, Lord, I will receive that. I will believe the things that you say about me. So let's receive that today in response to him. Can we do that? Let's all pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you have already paid the price. The debt for my sin has already been paid. My position in your family has already been secured. I have been purchased with the blood. I've been blessed with all of these spiritual blessings and these promises. And Lord, today as we've come to worship you, Uh, My prayer for Ecclesia is that we would enter into your presence in a new way. That we would come into community with you, with one another, corporately and seek after you. Lord, that we would see revival take place here, not just in the church corporately, but also in our own hearts. We would realize who we are in you and that we would walk in these blessings, that we would start believing the things that you've said about us. So Father, we receive these things today. 
And if there's anyone here today who's been listening to this message and you have not made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, I'm not just talking about a decision in your mind, but a surrender in your heart to make him your Lord and your Savior. I don't preach any sermons without giving that opportunity. Today is your opportunity to make him your Lord and Savior and to be guaranteed of salvation and a life with him after you die. If there's anyone here who needs to make that declaration today, just lift up your hand and we're gonna pray together. Father, I thank you that together we are all here seeking after you. Lord, I pray that you would deepen our relationship with you and that we would trust in your goodness. We would trust in your presence, trust in your covenant relationship. Lord, because we can't meet it on our own. We can't meet it on our own strength, but you meet us right where we are. So we put our trust and our faith in you. We love you, Lord. We worship you. And we are so grateful for all that you're doing in us, through us, and even around the world. We pray this together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for allowing me to share that word with you. And I I just want to encourage you that you just dig deep in the Lord because there are some great things ahead. Thank you for listening to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged with today's message. For more from Joshua Nations, visit our website, joshuanations.org.